Hello and welcome to an extra special episode of Normandy FM's Bio Bits. As always, whenever Bioware news breaks, we like to jump in here and talk it up a little bit. Usually it's just myself, Eric Van Allen, alongside Kenneth Shepard. But today we have a very special guest, the one and only Imran Khan. Imran, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. I can't believe that I've been overpowered by the fanbite. Uh, new staff on my own show. This is terrible. <laughs> this is the problem with having a duo is that one person just has to bring in one more piece of backup and then you're completely overwhelmed. I know. Mm. This is this is it. This is the end of my reign on this show. <laughs> I, I'm losing control. It's my goal to have everyone from Fanbyte on the show at some point so Eric just will constantly be overpowered. I mean, we're we're pretty darn close to that goal already, I want to say. <laughs> like we're Yeah running out at this point four <laughs> people have been on the show before they're very important like nat's been on several times john and steve were both on so i think that's yeah about four people so far that have been on that is like an honored guest of the show at this point like if mm. honestly if we were recording an episode like right now and nat just like hopped into the discord channel just be like whatever what's up how you doing <laughs> like, just as long as she's recording when she gets in like before she comes in there was the thing last week with the fanbyte Twitter, because we all have access to it, where Nat just started talking about Solus. So, like, the rest of us had to grab the fanbyte account to also talk shit about Solus to counterbalance it. That's that's that energy we, we crave. Meanwhile, Ken over here just uh, shit posts on the Normandy FM Twitter all day. <laughs> I'm not saying they're bad shit posts. I'm just saying that 99.99999% of all tweets from that account are from Kenneth Shepard. <laughs> I have one tweet. It was a good tweet. It was a banger of a tweet, but only one tweet. Um, today, folks, we're here to talk because Bioware has put out a little bit more information about the nitty-gritty of what the Mass Effect Legendary Edition remaster entails. Uh, they put out basically like a change log. Essentially, this stuff looks like a patch update for Apex Legends. Like It's bullet points and the sort of dev talk where they're like well we really wanted it to feel you know more whatever like using all those traditional gameplay adjectives like snappier and stuff like that um but it's a pretty interesting list of changes and also over at ign they had an actual visual comparison which is going to play great on a podcast format i tell you what (laughs) but um I, I guess we should hit the IGN one first because obviously we can't like show that to you um, in the show notes. Hopefully, can I think we can just dump the links down below mm-hmm. so people listening can can hop into that. But uh, the visual remaster for me, for the most part, pin in one thing for the most part looks really really good. Uh, especially Mass Effect One, that game looks completely different, and what they're doing with the lighting and stuff in those areas like the Novaria garage looks really incredible there's even they showed when they were in port hanshan uh, at the beginning of the Novaria section they took out that one wall that you always had to kind of navigate mm. around and they they openly address they're like yeah it's <laughs> that was to block sight so we could load assets in and out as you were playing and we don't need that anymore because we've got more powerful consoles so that wall's gone now so that rules i didn't like that wall that wall being <laughs> gone is a good choice but uh ken what did you think of like the visual stuff so far so i gotta admit like i generally have been most positive on a lot of the visual changes but i gotta admit this was one of the times where i finally like kind of saw what some people have been talking about in terms of like having criticism about like some of like the artistry is kind of going away in the midst of trying to make mm. it look better um I, I think Imran, you posted a, a, an example of one of the, the Thresher Mall fights. Yeah. Um, where like some of the lighting and some of, like the particle effects were a little bit different, and a lot of that kind of comes down to like some of those effects are used to kind of cover up uh, technical drawbacks of older systems, and now it just kinda, there are some sections that are just kind of dry uh, in a way that like I guess I didn't really notice until I saw them in motion next to each other because this has kind of been one of the first times we've actually seen them in motion side by side. We've seen a lot of screenshots, but not a whole lot of uh, actual like trailers and video. Um, so I kind of am I'm mixed on it for the first time so far, because like, there was a lot of the Eden Prime stuff that came up that people were not a fan of. Like, the like they moved the sun, so like sort of like the uh, dark red sky was gone. And I was like, that's, you know, that I could take or leave that. That wasn't a huge deal to me. But now that I'm seeing things moving, I'm kind of like, 
it doesn't feel like nitpicking in the way that it did maybe a month ago. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. Like, by and large, this thing looks better. Like, straight up, objectively better. And that's that technology's improved, and it's improved. The consoles are better, like uh, better technologically. But like, there's th- this is the thing with a uh, judgment, which is also getting a uh, PS Five whatever upgrade. That there are aspects of that game's style that maybe they were made to cover up bad graphics or loading or right. whatever. But like, they also had it. Be- they existed for a purpose beyond that that gave things certain degrees of atmosphere that I feel like when I'm looking at some of these Mass Effect comparisons, like uh, this is going to not at all be uh, like a good podcast, but like at 335 Civic Guns video, there's like a part where Shepard is like running into a room to enter the Mako and Mako, Mako. And like <laughs> the two shots are entirely different and like by and large, it looks better. But like there's small aspects of like, why is the UI different now? Like, why did, why did they take away that, like, Mass Effect yeah. HUD? And now it's just, like, it's just blue text Mako and says, A, get into vehicle. And, like, mm. yeah, that's cleaner. But I don't think I necessarily want it cleaner. I think there's a reason some of this stuff looked the way it did. Looked like a, you know, like a, a sci-fi video game from the 2000s, which is because what it was. And... Right. I don't think, like, this is not enough for me to, like, to ruin this game for me, or, like, I'm not going to go, like, no, no, the real Mass Effect is Mass Effect 1, but I, when people remaster things, I get this feeling that they didn't know why it looked like that in the first place, or they think because it's 10 years, or 10, 20, whatever, 15, whatever years later, like, that it should look different. That's not necessarily always the case, and that's kind of what I'm looking at in some of these comparisons. I'm glad you brought up the UI because that's the pin that I put in this is that I think the UI changes are not good. Um, specifically when I was watching the combat, like Mass Effect health bars, especially in ME1, have like a look to me that I appreciate. And like being able to see the little shield pips next to the health bar and all that are just like visually I recognize them as being specifically Mass Effect and having that like... You know, it, it, it's like we, it's not necessarily like things in this do look better but it also makes them look like everything else to me yeah. and that's like when i saw those health bars i was like that looks like everything else i see all the time and that that isn't what mass effect was to me and that's that's a little bit of a bummer because there was something fun about the way that it represented shields and that weird like oh here's some pips of shield and a health bar sort of thing and the health bar glows green if you have like poisoned the enemy or whatever like i enjoyed those aspects of it and to see that just kind of turn into a bog standard health bar that you would see in something like outriders or something like that is like uh that's a bummer right like by and large they were they removed darkness and they remove shadows because like they don't mm-hmm. need them anymore because they're not trying to cover things up and most of the time this is like it doesn't necessarily make it better it makes it different but like there's one place where i actually think it makes it worse which is the elevator the citadel elevator yeah, yeah. it is no longer dark that, yeah. it is no longer like you're not gonna be sitting there for a minute plus waiting for it to load but like that kind of cool um like tool like cool temperature wise atmosphere mm-hmm. is just gone now and i know like, I know the point of pride here is, oh, yeah, things look better and you're getting out of the elevator faster. But, again, that's – it's not the same. It's a different thing now. Kenny, you were going to say something? Yeah, and it, the, just going back to like, the UI stuff, like, it, it seems to be, like, a lot of this seems to be the interest of, like, making the entire trilogy universal, which is, like, I, I get that they say you're going to have all these things packaged in one. They need, like, it, there needs to be that sort of, like uh, – synergy between all these games especially because like you know a lot of people aren't going to be coming in with you know say a decade of nostalgia for a lot of mass effect one's sort of quirks and systems and they like if they got this one game that's like so drastically different than the rest of them it can you know it it makes the whole thing feel i guess less cohesive but even it's like some of these weird like uh the uh ui stuff for like you know selecting an item or, or interacting with something those like uh the way that I'm lo- looking at the stuff in the uh, Mass Effect 1 IGN footage is, like, that's not even what it looked like in Mass Effect 2 and 3. Like, those sort of uh-huh. uh, parts of the HUD were, weren't 
removed, so I guess, I mean, they must be removed, or that they are probably removed now. Although, no, actually, now I'm skipping, up, skipping ahead, like, a lot of that stuff is still intact, so I don't know why some of that stuff has been taken out in Method 1 specifically. I was curious, because as I was watching this, I was like, I wonder if depending on the work they're doing on Mass Effect 1 compared to the other two, if it's going to create and kind of, like, you're overbalancing one side of the scale to where now, all of a sudden, like, 2 is going to look really dated and 1 will not look as dated as Mass Effect, as the other games do. And that would be really bizarre if you end up in the situation where, like, Mass Effect 1 looks really, really gorgeous and all that, and you go to 2 and you're like, wow, this looks like an Xbox 360 game. <laughs> <laughs> um... But I, I would kind of want it to stay that way because, like, one of the things you mentioned about the lighting, like, Mass Effect 2 is a game I think about when I think about, like, really specific kinds of lighting and shadows and stuff like that. And that might have been a relic of the time as well. But if that whole game gets lightened up, I don't think it's going to have the same vibe for me, um, especially in areas like the Collectorship and Omega and all that. So, mm, I'm... Like, like that's the weird part of this is now I feel they're like they're putting so much Mass Effect one forward that now I'm going like, what are you what are you not showing of two and three? Yeah, <laughs> what are you not well, like, putting out there? <laughs> like, but like they all just like the IGN video does have like it is not as much footage of Mass Effect two and three, but it's still there. Like it looks, it, I mean it looks fine. Like it looks how I remember it, and it like there are noticeable lighting and texture differences, but it doesn't mm. look like. Mm the artistry of it is kind of ch- is changing as much as one appears as to, at least based on what we've seen so far. There's an extent to which, and this is a mean comparison, I don't mean it to sound as mean as it does, there's an extent to which it feels like you're playing with a ZDSNES filter. And then it's okay, like, yeah. th- this weird claymation blob is the way this is always supposed to look. It's like, no, you're just doing but weird, like, thing filter to it. And mm-hmm. that kind of is what I'm getting from this, like, Mass Effect update. And maybe this is... Like, because I love Mass Effect 1 so much that I'm, like, reactive to these changes. But it does feel like when they're coming at it, they're going, hey, we know you all hated Mass Effect 1, so we're fixing that. And I'm like, but I didn't hate Mass Effect 1. You're fixing a lot of things I didn't have a problem with. Mm. I... I'm... Well, I mean, we, we can get into, like, some of the actual gameplay changes. Yeah, like, I think we should talk about, about the gameplay yeah, changes Yeah, let's, let's get to that, because, like, my, my feeling on that, like, I... Anyone that's listened to the show knows I, I don't hold as much love for Mass Effect 1 as I do, like, 3. Like, in any, you know, my hierarchy of game, of how much I like these games, Mass Effect 1 is not at the top. But I, part, like, I've generally been of the mind of, like, a lot of the things that, like, maybe we, people that played it at the time, have, like, nostalgia for, like, or enjoy about it, I don't think that they read very well to, like, a brand new audience. And I think, like, that is something that kind of gets lost in a lot of the conversation about remasters when you're talking about, like, what, how, like, how much you can take from something before something new. Um, a lot of people are, like, they're gonna play this, did not play this game before, and don't have the nostalgia for, like, the fucked up way the makeup worked, or hey, shit hey. like that, and I think, like, <laughs> that, like, their, their perspective is something that I think probably informs a lot of these changes more so than necessarily f- fixing it for people that were content with what the way it was. Yeah, and I mean, there, that's not to say there aren't changes that aren't good, so bumping over to what will be our other link is like this giant change log of updates that ea put out um that that are basically just various different um bullet points and stuff like that of of changes especially to the first game um and some of them i genuinely think are just good quality of life updates like being able to sprint out of combat in mass effect one is big um Mm. because i remember you could like hold the sprint button but it just kind of made you like go into that roadie run zoom but not actually move any faster (laughs) uh which was great the illusion of moving faster but you felt like you were moving faster (laughs) um melee attacks being mapped to a specific button press rather than automatically occurring based on proximity to an enemy is the like maybe the single best change in this entire list should have been that way in the beginning it it actually it makes um it makes pharaohs a lot more doable i'll tell you that much Mm. um because now I won't accidentally shotgun someone in the face when I'm trying to knock them out on Pharaohs. <laughs> um, and, and other things like, um, weirdly, like some enemies didn't take headshot damage in the first game. I didn't even know about that one. And when they listed that, I, I, I was used like, to shotgun the whole time, so I never had any reason to know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like weird other things that I never knew were like 
quote-unquote issues with the game like ammo mods not dropping throughout the entire game i did not know that was an issue either um but being able to flag items as junk and mass sell them or mass convert them into omnigel that's a great change love that change um but other parts here are almost making me wonder if mass effect one is going to be easier this time around because um not only are you like doing more damage from headshots uh weapons cool down much faster um but also like there's no weapon sway on sniper rifles uh there's like better um aiming down sights and and reticle bloom is more controlled um accuracy is like just generally improved across the board and um abilities have been rebalanced they weren't very specific about that one though they did specify that immunity is now going to be like a brief buff of defensive uh power rather than like a small buff that lasts a very long time which i think it i never played a character with immunity in two or three but i think soldier had immunity in one that was like the super shield one and yeah it's 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 weird it's different but um, yeah, also, that like, one is strange. That one of the things like that you're rebalancing things. I don't because like that wasn't broken. It was just like not great. Right. So I'm I'm confused why they're changing that thing specifically. The the thing that that makes me wonder is I know that one of the things a lot of people talk about uh, going from Mass Effect one to Mass Effect two and three is like the difference in biotic power and like mm-hmm. what biotics can specifically do. And so this makes me wonder like what biotics are going to look like in mass effect one and and what those changes look like whether they're going to end up adhering closer to mass effect two and three where they're kind of more just like fireball spells if that makes sense like you use them to do damage in a situation but you may not have as much stuff that's like singularity and all that kind of stuff or where it's like i always love like doing the lift on somebody and watching them like just helplessly float across the battlefield not able to do anything um and i feel like i saw that less and less as the series went on but um it's i am wondering like again when you look at the stuff that they are saying versus the stuff that they aren't saying that's one of the things where i'm like what is being rebalanced and also like what parts of mass effect one were considered like it is i think probably the hardest game to play on the hardest difficulty but what parts of it were being considered like too difficult that they felt they needed to actually go in and rebalance parts of it 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 makes me curious i mean like in this post like even before that it it strikes me as they consider mass effect one's rpg shooter hybrid to be Mm -hmm. somewhat of a failed experiment because it does sound like they're saying, hey, this game was heavily influenced by traditional RPG mechanics, like the randomness of a dice roll. And I can understand why they they obviously backed away from that in 2 and 3, but like that was the game. That was what Mass Effect was. And I, I, I know that it is not this, but I think in some part of my head, I still expected this to be like more historical document than it was, or than it is turning out to be like, no, no, we'll fix the things you don't like. Which, like, uh, like Kenneth, you said, is completely understandable. They're making it for a new audience, but it does like I look at the changes to this and like they're they're definitely backing away from what made Mass Effect unique, even in terms of its own series, but in terms of like gaming in general. And that is both. I it's either a cause for celebration or dislike. And for me, I'm just kind of landing somewhere in the middle of like. A lot of these changes seem good, but some of this stuff, like, is taking away from what made Mass Effect 1 Mass Effect 1. Mm. Ken, how do you feel about them? Uh, I mean, part of me, like, agrees that, like, there is, like, that part of, like, oh, like, an historical document would be a nice thing to have, but that game still does exist. Like, that is something that, like, every time that, you know, a remake or a remaster comes out, there is that feeling of, like, you know, you hold uh, sort of, like, nostalgia for these things, but, like, that game does still exist, and you can go buy it, and you can go play it, and that's all well and good. And, like, even on modern systems, like, through backwards compatibility on, like, the Xbox. Um, so, like, I understand, like, the hesitation to, like, come into these things and, like, see, like, they are, like, even that they might view aspects of Mass Effect 1 as, like, a failed experiment. Um, but all that being said, I don't really have much of a desire to play that fucking game again <laughs> and, like, the way it was. And if they can, you know, modernize it in a way that is... Because, like, I feel like, even with all these, like, different changes, I feel like the core of what makes Mass Effect 1 the, 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 the distinctly different game than 2 and 3 is still pretty much here. It's just, like, streamlined and made simple in ways that are, like... 
just makes a lot of like the the bulky clunkiness of it all kind of just easier to manage. I did notice though I control F and did not find anything with the save system that worries me that they need to fucking address oh, that specifically. Oh shit! Right? Yeah. Um, Remind like, me. I think what was different about that. Oh, there are, like, no autosaves in Mass Effect 1. Like, the oh, autosaves yeah. are brutal in that game. And if you don't know like, about it, like, you so will, right. you'll yeah. die on Matriarch Benezia and, like, get kicked back to the start of that entire, mm. like, port 17 I've, or whatever. Like, I very much remember falling into the lava as the Mako, which has also changed in this one. Yeah. And <laughs> getting the game over, being like, all right, I'll just start right there, and then starting back at the beginning of the planet. Yep. Yeah, that was um, it. Was always something I had to warn people about if I ever let them like borrow my copy. I was like, "Hey, save every every time you get a chance," because, like, even by the, the like 2007 standards, that was bullshit. Even like that wasn't even like, it, it like it just didn't make any fucking sense. It was just not reasonable. And well, like the PC like version had a had a quick save, and the console versions didn't, which is like one of those situations of oh yeah, BioWare's like they know who butters their bread on this one. And then everything. Actually, I assume that is changing for this one because it just kind of has to. I assume all versions will be the same in that respect. I really hope. Yeah, I'd hope they've established like at least a couple more auto save points on major missions and stuff like that. Because I remember, it's funny you mentioned the the lava planet. Um, I always forget it's the Artemis. I always think of it as the Artemis Tau cluster. It's the Liara mission, but um, that one I think specifically only has auto saves at like the start of the Mako run like halfway through the Mako run and then when you like go into the actual dig site um mm. which there is that's a long sequence and there's like a really tough boss fight at the end of it and if you are not like being judicious about your saves <laughs> you get bumped back pretty far um yeah it's it I, I would like to see that updated and like to be fair i think there are changes here that just in general makes sense and won't like ruin that mass effect one vibe um like I, I mentioned the quality of life stuff earlier there's also like squad mates can now be independently commanded uh which is a thing that you always forget is not in the first mass effect yeah. <laughs> and you play mass effect one and you're like what the fuck <laughs> but uh they also like uh they they specify the boss encounter on novario which is um i mean it's been years it's and y'all listen to this fucking podcast it's matriarch benezia <laughs> um <laughs> it's they they specify like uh making that room less cramped which is good because it's like a really tiny room that you end up having that fight in um cover has been improved across the trilogy and entering and exiting cover is now more reliable which is like one of my actual major problems with mass effect one is that entering and exiting cover never felt good ever mm-hmm. um so a lot of these like make sense and they're not getting real like they're not going to suddenly make you use thermal clips you know like they're not they're not going to like switch to to being like oh there's no more weapon mods or anything like that so that crux of mass effect one's combat like the thing that does genuinely make it largely different from two and three is still there uh what's killing me is the mako there's yeah look what they're doing to my boy (laughs) there is charm in how bad that thing is this games is, don't have to be bad. This is what I was talking about. <laughs> we don't have about. to want games to be bad. No, but there's I, I like... needed to lure Ken into a sense of false security, make him think that Imran was on his side. Actually, Imran's <laughs> on my side. That Mako <laughs> is a goddamn disaster, and I love it. <laughs> it is like if you went into Sonic 2006 and fixed the controls, and like, well, you fixed the controls, but this game is still bad. So like, you've all you've done is take away one of the things that was actually like funny about it and the mako being like this big bouncy rubber ball that you could use to like honestly skip a lot of things and take it to places it should not be is hilarious and it's part of what i love about mass effect is that like if that thing was good or not okay let me take it away if that thing was competent it wouldn't be good it would just be boring Mm -hmm. and i think that's what i'm fearing from this is like oh good i get to be out of the shoot and move and talk to people situation or thing that I love about this game into a long tank section that is now not even interesting in a bad way. Something that yeah. like, occurs to me, I wonder if like all that, like the charm and quirk of like these things is something that I feel like as an industry, like we were more tolerant of back like 14 years ago. I feel like in a world where like Mass Effect Andromeda was eviscerated by like people posting clips of things fucking up, is it like I, I, that? It seems like something that I, they would go out of the way to avoid, and I feel like that is on top of like 
like I, I think you're I think you're right that like beyond that the the makeup sections are largely unremarkable. But I also like. Do you want your your new game or your like, quote unquote new game that you're putting out that you won't be able to buy for sixty dollars to be a fucking laughing stock online like that like they did before? Because if you saw like some of that fucking that some of that shit with the Mako back then and it was spread like wildfire like it does on Twitter now. Hmm. I but I think the thing is there's like a difference between a game that is largely competent and then you get into like like i I like that imran pointed out that it's basically like the tank section you really don't spend much time in the mako unless you go out of your way to and uh it's it's like one side thing and the more like i was reading these changes where they're talking about making it feel weightier and slide less and making it more accurate from lower angles and like giving it faster shield recharge and and speed thruster actually speed thruster sounds hilarious never mind that's great (laughs) but (laughs) it's it's like okay now i'm reading this and i'm like okay so it's gonna handle like every other goddamn tank section in a game and it's not like i sit down and i think back on my time with arkham knight and go man you know what i loved batmobile sections I love those Batmobile sections because those Batmobile sections weren't good or bad. They were just boring. They were like, cool, we have a thing where you do the Star Fox 64 tank section as the Batmobile. And that's like kind of what I'm worried this Mako is going to feel like. Whereas, like, part of the. And, you know, again, this is like my personal feelings about the Mako, and this is maybe not even what was intended, but I liked that that vehicle felt like it was made by a bunch of humans who had only just recently got into space and needed to develop a space car because that shit galaxy brain take yeah i mean look it's there are a lot of things that the humans do where you can tell they have not been in space for a long time and so like literally one of their best ships is the result of them collaborating with other alien species like the normandy is the result of a collaboration with multiple alien species like Otherwise, humans are still trying to figure it out, and I like the idea that this Mako might have just been some recon vehicle that they had to slap together to explore the moon with, and then they were like, oh, well, Commander Shepard needs to go on the ground in something, so let's hope this freaking eight-wheel drive is gonna work. <laughs> and As a person it's... who, like, head cannon shit is my lifeblood with fucking anything in the world, I love that you came up with a in-universe reason for the Mako to be terrible. I love that for you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, why not? I mean, as, if, if even if it was not intended, even if that's... And I do not believe at all that that was Bioware's intention was to make a purposely bad vehicle. But something that is bad but interesting will always be, like, just more interesting to me than, like, something that is just boring. And it's not like this is Balan Wonderworld, all right? This is not like the entire game sucks. <laughs> like, this is one section of a game is going to have you resulting in areas where you, like, go flying off a mountain or you end up upside down at the bottom of a cliff or something like that, or you're having to do the weird... There's something funny about the way that you can, like, dodge those geth blasts where you just kind of do this little hop in the air (laughs) to, like, hover over the top of them and then land and shoot them. Like, there's... If it ends up feeling more like just a tank, I think it's just going to not even have those funny moments of, oh, I can't believe I dodged that, or wow, I really went flying off that cliff. That was silly. I'll be more careful next time. Like, now it's just going to be like, okay, shoot geth, move to next geth shoot geth move to next geth like i i don't know that's, yeah it, that's my it, big brain mako take <laughs> it added a little bit of levity to the game in like in an entirely unintentional way but like death of the author and all that stuff like if you go from finding liara's mother and finding her and having this like long conversation about the nature of the threat and what's going on and, like, back into this dumb little tank that's about to go around like a rubber ball. And, like, you picture the fact that Liara and uh, Shepard and Garrus are sitting inside this tank as it, like, rolls around in the snow like an out-of-control dog. And, like, it's, it is a funny thing to picture. And I don't... Like, that adds a little bit to the pacing of the game in its own weird way. And, like, again, completely unintentional. Like, obviously not what they wanted. I'm sure they wanted this thing to be good. But I think 
they're never going to make it good. The best they can make it is competent. And competent will just be like, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? And that is just going to make those sections feel longer than they are. Yeah. But I, yeah, we'll see. I think the one change that did need to happen was those lava sections not being yes. used to kill. Like that totally, like those, those kinds of changes. And like the weird thing about you not being able to get XP while you're inside the Mako or, or the XP penalty inside the Mako is like, good, get rid of that because Otherwise, you end up in weird situations where you shoot a Thresher Maw until it's almost dead, and then you get out of the Mako and shoot it with your <laughs> assault rifle to kill it, so you get the full XP from the kill. Um, that's, yeah, no, good changes. Those are good changes. And speed thrusters. Uh, like, if it was the same dumbass Mako and you just strapped, like, rocket engines to the back of it, like, you've basically <laughs> made a Rocket League car, good job. Like, <laughs> congratulations. Put the Mako in Rocket League. They um, should, actually. Yeah, that I'm would, they haven't yet. To be honest, that that would be a good crossover. That that's a freebie, Bioware. That's you get that one free. Um, there's there's other stuff in this blog we already knew about. Um, the Mass Effect Genesis comics will be in there. Uh, there will be Unified Launcher. Uh, I do like that. There's trilogy wide settings for subtitles and languages. That's great. Um, updated character creator options, which includes making Femshet from Mass Effect Three the new defa- default female option across all three games. Um, achievements across the trilogy have been updated so now there are new achievements and some achievements like killing certain enemies will last across all three games um, and a number of the achievements have been updated um, I wonder if that means they've changed Paramore huh mm-hmm. I'm suddenly curious about that because that that's a weird one right where some romances in 2 would not trigger the Paramore achievement Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been Jacob and Thane. Thane yeah. was weird, although he, you know, shit happens with him, so I guess, like, you know. Uh, yeah, I wonder, again, this is like, maybe it is because we are a very Bioware, like, Mass Effect-focused podcast, but I felt like I came out of this extensive uh, change log with more questions, mm-hmm. <laughs> wanting to ask more things. Obviously, all the armor and DLC uh, stuff is is getting included from the start. Um, they're remixing the audio. They say hundreds of legacy bugs from the original releases are fixed, as well as native controller support, 21.9 display uh, support on PC, and DirectX 11 compatibility. Surprised they haven't said if they're using like DL. I'm surprised the DLSS was not an option here. I wonder if they just never, or if they did try and it didn't work. What's I'm surprised that it wasn't involved in this. What, what does that mean? Like that, that's, There have been two things that happened to me today that require me to ask, what, what does that mean? <laughs> like, like, DLSS, I always forget the exact words it stands for. But deep it's learning like, something yeah, or something. Yeah, deep learning something something. And it's it's basically what they used on stuff like, like Death Stranding was a really good example of it. On PC, they used DL, DLSS to basically have the computer render at a certain resolution, and then DLSS would upscale it to a higher resolution using deep learning ai processes like big brain shit uh which was a way for lower end computers to still be able to run a pretty good version of like 1080p 1440p death stranding like it's it's an interesting technology that i think is getting used a lot more i keep seeing games like high obviously like AAA games and stuff like that but popping up noting that they're using it in some way and I was just surprised it wasn't used here. Um, it might be like I imagine a lot of it is like Nvidia making deals here and there, but yeah, it could still be in the game. They just haven't said anything about it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, well, it wouldn't be patched in. It had to be pretty fundamental to the engine. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I th- I, they did say that they're gonna have like a more um, visual related uh, update about the game next week, which obviously we probably won't do a show on because that's a visual thing that does not translate to an audio podcast. Right. Um, but that might be where they bring up something like that. Mm-hmm. I think the one that actually surprised me out of all this, and Ken, you and I were talking about this as like throughout the day. Um, there's one last section in this blog about Galaxy at War rebalancing. And this, I think, was actually the biggest surprise for me out of this entire mm-hmm. update thing because. Obviously, when you get to Mass Effect 3, the whole like idea of Mass Effect 3 is that you are building up your galactic forces to eventually go back and retake Earth and take the fight to the Reapers. And that was like 
uh, metered out by your galactic readiness. And at the time, you they had systems where you would build up that galactic readiness both through playing the video games and through choices imported um, from, like, mostly Mass Effect 2, um, ending up turning into, like, bonus points. So it would be like, hey, you did this thing in Mass Effect 2, and then you did, like, the related quest in Mass Effect 3, so now you get points for that. Um, they also had, like, it was a companion app and the multiplayer uh that were like what they identify in this blog as external factors to galactic readiness. Obviously they've already confirmed that multiplayer will not be in the legendary edition. Everybody solemn moment for that. And uh, no companion app either. Uh, So I'm I'm just going to read this section wholesale. The more content you complete across the entire trilogy, the more likely you'll be prepared for the final fight and its conclusion. If you only play Mass Effect 3, you'll have to do just about every option available in the game to be eligible for an ending that doesn't result in massive galactic losses. Playing the first two games and carrying over your progress is the most reliable way to get good results in the final hours of the Reaper War. For comparison, and here's the interesting part, for comparison, if you previously played Mass Effect 3 with the extended cut, which included galactic readiness rebalancing, fully preparing for the final fight will be more difficult to achieve in the Legendary Edition. And it goes on to say, on that note, the extended cut ending is the default finale now, which was pretty much expected. Mm-hmm. But that part caught my eye they even Mm. like bolded it in the blog and like so i was describing it to a friend of mine uh who hadn't played mass effect 3 since it originally came out and i was saying if the requirements to get like you know the good ending not just you know the destroy ending where you get the post credits cutscene and all that of of shepherd and the rubble but just like not having the cutscenes where everybody is dying (laughs) as you're entering earth and stuff Mm. uh I'd put that at like a 12 okay you gotta get like a 12 and then when they did the extended cut which cut out a lot of the requirements for multiplayer companion app and stuff like that and even like lowered it beyond that that was like a five or a six that it cut it down to it was like a a pretty significant cut down on the requirements and now it sounds like they're bumping it up to like a seven eight nine area is that kind of the sense you got ken if i'm following the way that you framed this and i think so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It um. It's it's interesting because like I mean I think it's altogether a more interesting way of going about because like the multiplayer and things like that like did make it where you could kind of cheese it and just you know import a bunch of multiplayer characters and you know be fine. Um, it so there's like this one like on the list of things that people complain about the Mass Effect ending there is one kind of vague thing that lingers over it that like. This, this sort of insinuation that, like, you're doing shit in the games does not ultimately mean anything in the end. And I, like, in terms of, like, your ability to get a certain outcome. And one, I don't think even with the systems before that was even true. But two, like, this idea that, like, what you have done up to that point didn't matter at the end. Like, if it, they make it where, like, you have to kind of, like, comb through these games to make sure that, like, you have enough resources that you have access to any choice that you want. Um, but again, the, the part of me is like, does that address that criticism? But also the criticism was like so vague and like what it actually wanted that I don't really know if that's satisfactory for some people. Um, because I, just, I do think that just like, if they're going to make, you know, having like every ending and every choice available to you at the end, if they're going to make that kind of like a trilogy wide uh, sort of effort, I think that's like, really good i think especially if it's all packaged in this one thing to like just make all of these through lines feel more uh interwoven in a way that is going to result in a you maybe not having certain options by the end um yeah i'm, I'm interested to see how that actually pans out when they get into like the nuts and bolts of whatever system they put in, put in place yeah i think it's a neat idea but i feel like it's a it's it's too late to change those things. Like Mass Effect Three, for better or worse, was not the game people expected it to be, and I would say people, including uh, Bioware, like it's too late. This feels like polishing a stone, of trying to like all you can really do is yeah, you'll make it shinier, but in the process you're also making it a little smaller too. And I feel like the like put Mass Effect Three out the way it 
the way you want it to be, but these changes are these changes don't get it there, I don't think. These changes make it feel like if you just want to pop into ME3, like if that's the like one game you haven't played, then you're putting an undue burden on yourself. And if you're trying to go through the entire trilogy, like it doesn't really change what Mass Effect 3 was. It just changes. It retroactively tries to fool you of how it, how it uh, reflected the trilogy as a whole. And I think it's a neat idea, but I don't think it really does anything at the end of the day besides just it makes it harder for people who are trying to just play the one game. Yeah, I so I came away from this with, like, two thoughts. And my first one was that, like, okay, they're... For some reason, they identified this as a place they wanted to change things. And that's that's interesting to me. And that, you know, obviously, like, you talk about Mass Effect, it's hard to not talk about Mass Effect 3. Because I think while like like depending on what what circles you run in like mass effect 3 has been redeemed or not redeemed over the years and obviously the discourse around it at the time was not the best either (laughs) um like always reducing it down to like oh pick a color and stuff like that um didn't always help and uh like the idea of like imran said the idea of like wanting to release the version that you had wanted to release in the first place is is definitely an idea uh, that anyone would want to like seize onto, but is it you know is it doable? Especially when you look at something of this scale. But that's when it kind of got me to my second thought about all this, uh, which is, yeah, like like if somebody's jumping into this and they want to play just Mass Effect three, say they are like I know people who are like, oh, I only played Mass Effect one and two, I never got around to three. Maybe I'll finally play it when this comes out. I think this decision really made me like come to grips with the fact that they want people to play the entire legendary edition like they want someone to be like i'm going to start a new shepherd from mass effect one and play it all the way through it's it it does not feel made for people who want to be like i'm going to play mass effect 2 with just this specifically or whatever like and i i know that there will probably i'm hoping that all the save options that have previously existed in order to import certain choices and stuff like that still exist and work in this framework. I feel like that's something they haven't fully talked about yet. Um, Like they've said they have the Genesis comics, but even those were not always wholly satisfactory in importing the things that you would want to import if you were starting at Mass Effect 2. And it was always just kind of easier to do a Mass Effect 1 save and like tailor make it the way that you would want it. Um, But it, it, it makes me wonder like I, I really just when i read this and, and further on when they're talking about like improvements made to the paragon renegade system in me2 um and i was can you might have to help me with this because they were saying there were key moments that have been notoriously difficult to achieve in mass effect 2 that impacted mass effect 3 uh that can now be completed more reliably like related to the paragon renegade system uh that would have been the uh was it the the crew the conflicts the crew yeah conflicts I um, mm, I didn't ever think of those as being like notoriously difficult to achieve. Uh, they they are like then you know I somehow I remember for the playthrough that we did for the show I managed to somehow get those to work right. But like there were like the Jack and Miranda one skewed more for Renegade players, where the Tally Legion one skewed more for Paragon players. And just like the way those things played out, like it was more difficult to get the uh, the Intimidate option to settle that, and so like um, I had to like side with tally and then talk legion down later to get that to work whereas that was off and like we talked throughout that season about how like the way the mass effect 2's paragon renegade system worked was that it was determined by amount of decisions made by that point you got like you were in the game versus uh how many were paragon and renegade so like it was like a percentage of what you've done to that point mm. um which i feel like really requires you to kind of like lean into one or the other where, where three got the reputation system down to a way that lets you role play more and you know pick what you wanted to do without having to worry about it uh having weird ramifications like that um and i do know that the tally and legion one specifically can affect the uh the rhinox stuff right right And, and obviously like there's a lot of stuff especially mass effect 2 that affects mass effect 3 decisions but like reading those two points next to each other just kind of made me go like they it seems like the intention here is that they don't want people to just hop in and play mass effect 3 right or they don't want or they're not necessarily like building it like it's going to be able to do that if you wanted to but i really feel like they are aiming this towards people that are like 
I'm going to replay the trilogy, or I'm going to play it for the first time, and I'm going to start from one and go all the way through. And that's... I thought that was interesting. And it was that Mass Effect 3 point specifically, where they say that you'll have to do just about every option available uh, to get an ending that doesn't result in massive galactic losses. Like, that's... That, that was the part where I was like, huh. That's that's just yeah. it's odd to me. I, I think, I mean, it, I don't also, sorry, I, I just want to say also really highlights that, and I've, I can't remember if they've made comment on this yet or not, but that, like, you're not going to be able... It seems like you're not going to be able to import old saves. Um, well, that was a, a given, I think. I If you're playing this on PC, I'm not sure. Like, that, that I mean, specifically. Skews, like, different... Like different products. I mean, they could have made it work if they wanted to. They just like it's probably a lot more work, and they would not have been able to work it on yeah. consoles. So, like, yeah. I guess the the reasoning was if we can't get it to work everywhere, no reason to do it every and like anywhere. Yeah, no reason to make it work anywhere. Yeah, I, I I was looking at that because like I know I was writing about Diablo two today, and their thing is like, oh, you're going to be able to like play your characters on Diablo two Resurrected and all that. And I know that's Blizzard being like, hey. uh... We really dropped the ball with Reforged. <laughs> we got right. we got to make good a little bit here. <laughs> it took me an hour to get my Avengers save from PS4 to PS5. I'm just this is just a thing that I don't think companies care about that much. But with Mass Effect, like Mass Effect specifically, is a series where like saves are like precious gemstones. They're you know they're the things that are like your, your grandma comes in and tells you that this cast iron skillet, this cast iron save has been passed down through the family for generations. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like what you said. They expect people to like either start over or start for the first time. And I think yeah. probably, I would not be shocked if someday, like with the next Mass Effect, this save does matter. But like, mm. I don't think, I think they're considering the previous saves and the previous Mass Effects and all that time before as like the before times. That is not a thing that affects what legendary edition is or what they want it to be. Right. Mm. What I think is more interesting that they're not kind of like using as like a way to import things is the Mass Effect archive was something they made, like, I want to think it was 2017, 2018, and they've just not used it. It's like, a, for anyone that they might not know, it's like an equivalent to the Dragon Age Keep where like you can make all the decisions and have it saved in a thing that you ostensibly could import into something, but maybe that'll be the next game, like, after uh, all this. Um, so that was more surprising to me than the old save thing, because that just seems like a tool that they made and, like, clearly put, like, work into, because, like, they've got, like, new art and assets and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that they just never, it never went anywhere, and I mean, it just kind of exists, and, um, so that was surprising to me. Um, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't necessarily surprise me, though, that they are like you said, like trying to make it like into the thing that uh, you're kind of meant to play from start, from front to back, not you know just jump into like your favorite and then I mean you can do that. That is a thing, but like that also like I I feel like it, there's maybe there's like a, it's just a disconnect between how I play these games and how like, I guess some other people might. It's like going into just one game and just kind of like not importing the save, like not having your choices and not having your character, not having your relationships, just feels antithetical to me. And like so, so if you can. I guess give people, like, a reason to go through it. Like, because I mean, there are probably people that are going to be like, oh, I've heard Mass Effect 1 is garbage, I'm just going to start it too. And it's like, uh, you're, like you're, you're missing the point, but also, like, you are you are actively going to make things harder for you down the line. Yeah, but if you look at, like, the sales numbers of those games, like, 2 sold a lot better than 1, and 3 sold a lot better than 2, like, there are a lot of people who jump in going, yeah, I heard this franchise is cool. I don't care about all, all that old stuff. I'm just going to jump in and see. Yeah. There, there are people who started with Mass Effect Three. It blows my goddamn mind every <laughs> yeah. time I think of it. I, I think about. I've, I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. I want to know if there's anyone out there whose first Mass Effect game was playing Mass Effect Three on the Wii U because that seems like it's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I have a friend who will remain nameless that uh, was talking to Bioware about getting like early edition, early stuff for Legendary Edition, and like for for previews and things like that. Then they said, "Hey, we want to do a comparison between Mass Effect Three Wii U and Mass Effect Three Legendary Edition." And Bioware stopped talking to them. Oh. <laughs> 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 Shit. I mean, that is that's the other like just bizarre thing about Mass Effect is you mentioned sales numbers, but even then, like platforms was a weird thing for the series. I think throughout its life, yeah. that if you weren't playing this on PC or Xbox, like you were always going to get a truncated version of what this is. So yeah, like until they eventually did get it on PS3, the first one on PS3 with like yeah. the collection yeah. after the fact. So like that that alone is I think what a lot of the appeal is is. 
and and i was reading comments on my story today uh because i wrote about this for for destructoid and a lot of the comments were like oh i ended up skipping mass effect one or oh i never got around to playing mass effect three and just you know obviously we are the like the niche we are like the percent of players that is extremely attached to these games and plays them all the way through and has certain ways that we play these games and stuff like that and i i guess ultimately like that's kind of what i'm just coming to to grips with is that this legendary edition is not necessarily for the diehards in the way that like say a recent ea remaster uh command and conquer was like that was made for people who still give a shit about command and conquer in the year 2020 and it was clearly crafted for those people and it was really good in my opinion for that reason but this is much more like hey this is an excuse to play mass effect again while also making mass effect a lot more stomachable for people who never played it in the first place and ultimately i think that's a good thing i i I don't say that to like you know dump on it but it is like something that you do have to kind of look at it as as a lens especially when it comes to certain changes in in these games there is one change that i had no illusion they would actually do but i kind of hoped they would do because like there's there's decent evidence that mass effect 2 was structured the way it was because of xbox 360's disc space limits like that they had to put that game on multiple discs which meant like you couldn't get certain characters to be on certain planets, but there were voice lines showing that, like, mm-hmm. Legion would be on, like, the first planet, or, like, second planet right. you would go to or something like that. I would have liked to have seen them going, okay, we're just going to go do that now. Because you have this space stuff like that. It's all installed on hard drives. There's no multiple disks for anything anymore. Like, I know why they didn't do it, because that would have been a bridge too far and how much work to do. Mm-hmm. But it would have been cool if they actually did, like, make that change. Yeah, like just leave it open to like go go recruit who you want in whatever order. Right. Right. Or or to like I mean we we've talked before about like the romances that are yeah, kind of like think... barely in there or, or like half finished and stuff like that. Like yeah. Jack is an obvious one. Uh uh Caden I, I think I always forget Ken, Caden had lines in Mass Effect yeah. One or Yeah. One or two. Um, yeah. And so it's like that would have been i think the ultimate dream for mass effect fans but yeah also like you have to compound on top of this that this is a studio that all at once like bioware is not a small studio by any means but it it was trying to go through maintaining star wars the old republic rebooting anthem working on the next dragon age and working on the next mass effect while also rebooting this mass effect legendary edition so like (laughs) that's it's a lot on the plate for anybody. (laughs) There's a great irony that like, they've basically done a, a gauntlet around all this stuff only to return to like, okay, now you guys are just the mass effect Bioware or the mass effect dragon age company again. And it's the thing that everyone kind of wanted. Ultimately. (laughs) I, I think the weird thing I've had, because I, I I went and played outriders recently. I, I didn't play through like the whole game, but I played through the demo like enough to get like a taste of it. And the weird thing I felt while playing it was like, this is kind of what I wanted from Anthem. And it almost kind of feels like a weird side game to Andromeda. And in that it's like very much the same sort of setting and idea that's happening that, you know, you try to escape the Milky Way or Earth or whatever and end up in another place and all goes to shit and you're trying to rebuild everything. And that was kind of the moment where i was sitting there and i was like man bioware's just kind of been circling around and is gonna come back home soon to roost hopefully but it's gonna have been like at this point what seven years between inquisition and whatever the next dragon age is i think they they were saying it was gonna be like 2022 at the earliest before we saw the next dragon age so i mean if it's next year it's eight years eight years yeah Mm -hmm. dang (laughs) That's wild. And even longer for whatever the next Mass Effect is. Oh, yeah. Then the next Mass Effect is an amount of time I don't want to begin to start thinking about. <laughs> I would be shocked if that's like, if we if we get get that game's release before like we start actively talking about the next generation. Like, if we start talking about PS6 around that time the game actually comes out. Hmm. I think I, I, I'm more optimistic. I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic. Not that uh, much more optimistic, but a little bit more optimistic. 
Um, just because I feel like there's been a, a, at least publicly a push to want to like do more and and like get back to what they've been doing and focus their studios down on new things. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested. I mm-hmm. I'm hopeful, but either way, the Legendary Edition's coming out. It's not like any of us aren't going to play it. Right. <laughs> so. I don't know that I'm going to put like the entire three games into it. Yeah, I'm going to put the whole three games into it. I won't need another video game for a year. <laughs> um, that is my problem, is that I will. I have other things to play. I don't know that I have time to Mass Effect again. I'm at least Mass Effect 1-ing and probably Mass Effect 2-ing. I, 3 <laughs> is going to be the point that I hit where I'm like, am I going to close this one out? But considering that i think this is the one where i'm finally going to do the tally romance myself uh because every time i try to do the tally romance i just end up doing the liar romance instead so um, you gonna maybe, you gonna make the right choice on vermeer what's up you gonna make the right choice on vermeer uh yeah you know i i think this time i might just flip a coin honestly like mm. i don't know who knows cool. but it's it's actually been a while since i've done a caden run so um maybe i will do that um, do you think they, I had to do they changed the tally scene or the tally uh, photo? Oh, I don't think they do. I, I, I yeah, I would be surprised if they do. I don't. I think they got to keep it. That's just that's a little that is the little stuff. It's for the fans, you know. Mm. I feel like that's it's like the mako it's cherished you know it's like you see that and you're like oh right that's a stock photo that someone just edited to make it look like an alien girl that's who doesn't love that that's great although i mean they're moving they're moving the miranda camera angle so like they are aware of some shit well yeah but the miranda camera is like i'm trying to tell you that kai lang is going to try and assassinate you and your ass is covering the dialogue on the screen like that's that was the problem with the Miranda camera. Like, legitimately, it, when I played those scenes again in Mass Effect, Mass Effect Three specifically, like mm-hmm. Mass Effect Two, like they were definitely playing it up in ways, but they were doing it in like as she was moving and stuff like that. So it felt a little bit more like almost film noir when the femme fatale walks in and all that. But, uh, I mean, there was a point where she was distinctly talking about her abusive father. Yes. Okay, I don't remember that scene, but mass effect 3 i remember specifically because that was one of the screenshots that was going around and Mm -hmm. there's a part where her hologram is just standing there and it's just butt over half the screen and i legitimately had trouble reading the subtitles (laughs) in that part because i was like there's just ass on the subtitles (laughs) it's weird when they were like oh we like we're we don't know how this happened we're like we're trying to like we're gonna fix this for the legendary edition so it's like more about the character than the ass it's like it, it's the it's the meme of the hot guy in the hot yeah, dog suit going. We're all trying to find the guy the who hot, did this. Like you made the these scenes. Guy. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Well, Miranda ass and all. We'll 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 see you with the legendary edition. Imran, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can the folks at home find your work? Uh, you can find my work on fanbite.com or my Twitter at imranzomg. As always, we don't do all of our shoutouts for BioBits, but we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash normdfm, where you can go and support us, get into our backer Discord, all that kind of stuff. We are still doing our Last of Us playthrough. Next week will be Bill's Town. Very excited for that. Or as I have come to call it, Billy Bob Thornton's Town, because I can't ever remember Bill's name off the top of my head. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> make a longer version? Yeah, this is Billy Bob Thornton's Town. I'm really excited to explore it. Um and yeah we're excited for that so we'll see you next time for whatever next last of us game retrospective or bioware update for imran for ken for myself thank you so much for tuning in see you on the show next time